and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Ah, welcome back. It's so nice to be back. It's been a very long two weeks. I'm so happy to be back talking your ears off. A little bit of an update from me is not very much really. We topped the charts on Good Pods a couple of times during my break, which is awesome. I had a really lovely birthday full of karaoke and alcohol. Turning 27 was pretty damn good. And I can happily say that we're a year into the podcast. Can you believe it? Happy one year anniversary. Anyway, you don't come here to hear about my personal life. You come here to find out about monsters. So this week we're heading back over to the Norse mythos and looking at the amazing afterlife bringing maidens of Scandinavia, the Valkyries. Valkyries are female spirits who guide the honourable dead to one of two paths of the underworld in Norse mythology during the Viking period of Norway and Scandinavia. These are usually described as tall, who are armed with spears, shields, and even sometimes angel wings. They are considered to be otherworldly strong, beautiful, and were actually usually pretty silent. They would ride down to the bloodied battlefield on silver horses with their armour shimmering in the light and pick up the lost souls who deserve to be lifted into the afterlife by them. In fact, the Vikings believe that the phenomenon of the Northern Lights, or Aurora Borealis, now I'm not sure about anyone else, but whenever I hear the term Aurora Borealis, I just think of that one Simpsons episode with the steamed hams. You're going to know what I'm talking about if you know it. Now, in some tellings, they have an even bigger role in Norse myth. They became the fates of the Norse world, deciding before the battle who would die and who they would serve in death. Some of them even caused death of the warriors they didn't really like, and they could also protect ones they did, such as whole ships or even specific heroes. These maidens weren't weak in life either. Most of them were fighters too, as the Vikings were all for everyone knowing how to fight, including women, which was pretty unheard of in other cultures. They usually lived in and around the underworld. However, when they did venture into the normal world, which is called Midgard, or Earth as we would otherwise know it, they would sometimes take lovers and even have families with mortals, and sometimes this included other women, which, again, pretty unheard of in other medieval cultures. The Valkyries were honoured servants of Odin, who was the king of the Norse gods, and also of Freya, the goddess of love, sex and beauty, which made them pretty high up on the roster of important figures. In order to truly understand their roles, though, within the underworld and how these gods also work with it, we need to look into more of the routine of the underworld in Norse myth, which I will do later on. Valkyries are associated with the transformation as well as guides and comforters of the fallen. They were sometimes known as wish girls because they granted Odin's wishes, but also the wishes of mortals who caught them. And by caught them, I mean that the person would steal the Valkyrie's clothes whilst they bathed. If you remember from a few months ago, it's very similar to the Selkies from a previous episode in the same mythology. The man would hide the clothing and the Valkyrie would fall under a spell and she became his wife, 
mother of his children. However, if she ever found her clothes, she would leave her family and her husband without a second word and would need to prove that he was good enough to win her back, which, in turn, would change him into a hero instead of a mere mortal man. Now, if we go on to etymology, the word Valkyrie comes from the Old Norse Valkyria, which means chooser of the slain. This word comes from Valir, meaning slain on the battlefield, and Kusha, meaning to choose. In original myths, there were only 12 Valkyries, all of which had names that related to battle or arms of some kind, such as Brunhilde, Hilde, Ayr, for example. However, it ended up being developed into many other Valkyries as well as these original 12. The so-called Queen of the Valkyries was Freya, and she was often dressed the same as her wonderful ladies in armour. If you look up depictions of Freya, she looks badass. Highly, highly recommended. Now, there is no dead set history behind the Valkyrie myths, though. However, they were first mentioned in the Poetic Edda, which is a very, very, very old Viking text and was first found in the 10th century, written by an anonymous author. The book would go on to inspire most Scandinavian stories from the 19th century, alongside authors such as Strindberg, Boy, and even Tolkien. These poems mention Valkyries in many of their verses, however my favourite actually comes from a much later text, the Prose Edda from the 13th century, and here's an extract of that. There I shall perceive Valkyries and Ravens, accompanying the wise victory tree to the drink of the holy offering within have appeared these motifs. However, in stark contrast to this beautiful and ethereal shield maidens, realistically, of Norse culture, there is actually an original idea that considered them chthonic entities, and they would actually more act like zombies and consume the dead on the battlefield. They were also considered demons of the dead. They would eat the ones that looked tempting enough, but as history developed, the image of the Valkyrie changed to go alongside the halls of Valhalla rather than the battlefields of Valhalla. Everything got a bit of a glamp up, and I can't tell you why. I couldn't find any info on why they changed it. I imagine to make it a bit more glamorous, but I don't really know. I like both ways, to be fair. So, I did say I would go back to the Viking death rituals, and it was considered the biggest honour if you were able to die in battle as a Viking. If you've watched any Viking show, such as The Last Kingdom or Vikings, there will be some mention of this. If you're killed in battle, you are given the same opportunity to spend your afterlife in Valhalla, the Hall of the Slain, watched over by Odin. This was an amazing honour, and they would feast from a daily rejuvenating goat, and Valkyries would serve ale and mead from the same goat to the proud warrior seated in the hall. However, it's not as widely known as to what happens to you if you don't get shanked in battle. So let me tell you about it. So, there were four possible afterlife destinations for the Vikings. These were Valhalla, Volvanga, Hel, or the Realm of Ran. Valhalla, or the Hall of the Slain in English, is where the most elite warriors of Vikings were sent, to be paraded in front of Odin and put alongside him in the oncoming Ragnarok, or the end of the world in Norse myth. This is where Odin, Thor, most of the gods were destined to die, so these soldiers would go alongside them. The other good option was that of Volkvanga, which means realm of the people, and it was the realm of the goddess Freya, and she was the goddess of love, sex, beauty, and war. 
and these warriors would be sent up to serve her in this lovely, flowery field of goodness for the rest of their lives. It wasn't the ideal situation, but it was pretty dang good. You can compare it to the Asphodel Meadows in the Greek mythology for that kind of thing, Elysium for Valhalla. Odin and Freya would end up sharing the Honourable Warriors 50-50, which the Valkyries would then deliver to them. These men in Valhalla were called the Einherjar, which means single fighters, which makes sense because they are ghostly entities, you can't kill them. Now I guess we should probably go into the not so good ones. So I would probably say that the worst one, for me at least, would be the Realm of Ran, where if you had died at sea, so usually through drowning, as this was unbelievably common with Vikings dominating the seas during the time, now Ram was the primordial goddess of the sea, and the wife of the god of the sea, Aegir, and anyone who drowned would spend their eternity in the afterlife in the deep caves of the ocean where they drowned. Apparently it was like a labyrinth, it was not very pleasant, and the sea is my worst nightmare, so that's very much my hell, I think. Lastly, there was hell, and this is spelt with just the one L, and it really isn't as bad as it sounds, at least I don't think. This is in the realm of Nilfhelm, which was a cold, barren landscape ruled over by the goddess of death, Hell, who, if you listen to my Jotun podcast, I've got a lot of info about the different realms of the Norse myth, but she was the daughter of Loki, the god of mischief, so she was very much a revered character. She was kind of cool, she had like half a skeleton face, she was quite generally a cool goddess. It had an immensely high wall though to keep the living out and the dead in, so you could imagine people were trying to escape. It was generally a place you went if you were dishonourable or if you died of old age or sickness, because again, that shows weakness in Viking culture. You were supposed to die in battle. There is technically a fifth way, and that is generally sitting in your own grave or your burial mound. Vikings believed that if you actually just wanted to relive your life and eat food and jolly about or haunt people, you could. So go figure. That's it. That's all I've got on that one. I think that's really fun though. Now, so back to Valkyries and kind of how they work with this. So they would drop them off to their responsive places and then head off to the next battlefield. But I do have a really cool myth about one of the Valkyries though, and that's about the warrior Hilda. Hilda was the daughter of the famous warrior Hogni, who was away on assumingly a raid of some kind, and Hilda was kidnapped by a local prince hidden of the Orkney Islands, which are just off the coast of Scotland. You can imagine we've got Norway, we've got Scotland, they are quite close. Anyway, when her father tracked her down, she very much welcomed him to the island with gifts, but her father had already drawn his sword as soon as he got off his longboat, to which he stated he now, the fact that the sword was drawn, the battle must ensue between him and her beloved, that she's now fallen for apparently. Many, 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 many men died within this battle. However, in the evenings of the battle, Hilda would go down and resurrect the dead men. However, as soon as they were revived, they would continue to fight in the same battle, which created a continuous battle until Ragnarok. So you can imagine every time she revived these people, they would just die the next day and die the next day. This conflict was called the Battle of Hedonings, which is a really cool event within Norse myth. I highly recommend looking it up if you're interested in how ridiculous it is. 
Anyway, we're going to move on to cultural significance. So we're going to start with art, and because this is Norse, we actually have quite a few. The most famous is The Ride of the Valkyries by Johann Gustav Sandberg, which was painted between 1782 and 1854. We don't know. It's a stunning painting of a couple of Valkyries charging into battle on their horses. I really recommend having a look at this painting. It is gorgeous and really sums up what Valkyries did and what they look like. Another famous one is Valkyrie by Peter Nikolai Arbo from 1864, who also painted, if you remember in the Wild Hunt episode, Odin's Wild Hunt, which has Valkyries in it too. This came from 1872. And lastly, Valkyrie and a Dying Hero by Hans Maktar from between 1840 and 1884. Again, not sure, but it's, again, it's a, just a gorgeous piece of artwork. And as always, I always recommend that you go and have a look at independent stuff. You can find probably the clearest and the coolest depictions of Valkyries that way. Now, this is more of a shout out to my opera nerds before we move forward, but you might recognise the word Valkyries from very famously one of Richard Wagner's works, which is Die Volke, which has an amazing song called Ride of the Valkyries in it. It is possibly one of the most famous pieces of music. You've probably heard it a million times before, even if you're not into opera. It's featured in Apocalypse Now, so you might have heard it just from that. Really recommend you go and have a listen. I know that English National Opera did a version of it a couple of years ago. I'm really good pals with a couple of people there. So if you're into it, I really recommend you go and have a look into it. Now for movies, we only have a few, but they are quite significant, such as Conan the Barbarian, Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame. So the Avengers part is because there is a superhero called Valkyrie in the Marvel Universe. She was one of many before the goddess Helia slayed her sisters and so becoming the one and only Valkyrie within the Marvel Universe version of the Norse myths. Obviously goes along with Thor most of the time. For TV though, there is Charmed, Samurai Jack, Looney Tunes, Hey Arnold, Lost Girl, Vikings, Xena Warrior Princess, Carmen Rider Wizard and Courage the Cowardly Dog, the latter being the cartoon that gave me intense nightmares as a child in the noughties, so if you know, you know. For video games, this is probably our biggest category of the week. We have games such as God of War, Age of Mythology, Archon, Castlevania, For Honor, Diablo 2, Brawlhalla, Elder Scrolls, The Legend of the Valkyrie, Mass Effect 2, Max Payne, 2 Human, Smite, the Valkyrie Profile, Wizardry, and of course, World of Warcraft. Obviously, my favourite is the latter here. I love World of Warcraft, and Valkyries are actually used really often in WoW, but they're called Valkyries and are very scantily clad, slightly sexy ladies. I will say that I'm slightly attracted to them, but I'm down for that. I'll take it. But anyway, for my book recommendations this week, I'm going to suggest three. So the first one is Tales of Norse Mythology by Helena Gerber for a really gorgeous book with great stories in. And actually for specific Valkyrie books, which I'm yet to read but are in my immense amount of bookshelf space ready to go, we've got The Real Valkyrie, The Hidden History of Viking Warrior Women by Nancy Marie Brown and Valkyrie, The Women of the Viking World by Johanna Katrin Friedrichsdorter, which is an amazing Scandinavian name. I actually have a friend at work who is Icelandic and her name is Sigurdsdorter, like her surname, 
and I have never been so unbelievably overwhelmed by how cool that surname is, so anything with a slightly Scandi feel to it, I'm all over. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now, with anything chthonic like Valkyries, I find these a bit tricky. I always find spirits linked to death quite hard to put down, especially ones that are so heavily linked to the fundamental function of the underworld's routine. Do I like the idea of an armoured shield maiden rescuing me from battle to chill out with beer and meat for eternity? Absolutely yes. That's my absolute dream. However, is it feasible? Probably not. But the idea of spirits and rescuing of the dead, much like the idea of the Grim Reaper and Thanatos in Greek myth, is kind of believable because of the invisibility of it all. We don't see spirits, well, at least some people don't. I love the idea of the Norse underworld though, I think it's a really cool concept, much like the Greek underworld, with loads of different layers based on how great you are in life. I mean, I know I personally follow this belief of the afterlife all being within one place and it's how you spend your life that shows what level you end up in, but I think it's a really great and honest way of thinking about your own mortality. But that might just be me. <laughs> I really love these fearsome ladies though, they are such a fun bunch and I'm definitely feeling a bit of a girl power vibe, especially this month we're carrying on this great theme of women during International Women's History Month from Harpies to Valkyries, and then we're also going to go on to the next, who is another woman. Great. So next week, we're heading back over here to the UK for the first time in a little while, whilst the sun comes out, and looking at the ghostly figure of Black Annis from the Brummy countryside. Come haunting with me next Thursday to learn all about this spooky lady. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. We've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really good love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk, and you can also find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast. You know, if you feel like it. But come join the fun, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. Mm-hmm.